You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I did decide we are going to continue on with draft talk. There's not as many prospects from 13 to 30 as I thought. It'll be a similar list. Um, what I do think I want to do a little different um, is maybe instead of just going line by line, look at position by position. So in other words, we're done with 12. We're done with everybody that at least one person says is a good value at 12. So there's the names that you've heard a thousand times. There's the handful of names that uh, um, I gave you yesterday as other potential 12s. And again, you can do this exercise yourself anytime you want after I change the big board, whatever, just by going to NFLBigBoard.com. It's why I add a lot of the things that I've added here. I suppose another way that you could go with this is to do it the other way. You look at the floor. You go to high. You organize by high, and you say, who is... Um, who are the prospects that are no lower than 30? In other words, there's not a single person on the planet who says they're less than 30. Probably not going to be that. Well, let's just look at it. So there's only two that nobody has outside of 12, and that's Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams. And somebody has Quinn at 10. As far as 30, there's only seven prospects that nobody has outside of 30. Obviously, Bosa, Quinnen, you got Ed Oliver, Cleland Furl, Josh Allen, and then Jonah Williams and Devin White, which is probably a big part of the reason why um, guys like Jonah Williams and Devin White, who some people feel like aren't that good, or Cleland Furl for that matter, are still as high as they are, because when you average it out and nobody has you with like a really low number, this is kind of what happens. I love Jeffrey Simmons. I feel like my own board is disrespecting Jeffrey Simmons, but somebody has him at 37. Well, if you average that out, even though somebody has him at 3, which I would say is fair, he's going to be 8th overall. Just a little tidbit. Um, I am going to be doing a couple of these projects I should be finishing up relatively soon. Just a reminder, um, I do have a couple of these you know, a little behind-the-scenes worksheets and everything else. And I'm going to try to remember to get the latest board up um, on the Patreon. So I've got the latest board that's going into Patreon, and that's the full board. All, jeez, I'm up to, it's got to be almost 1,300 prospects. Just ridiculous. But then you can see every single rank across all the boards. And I've even got a couple of other things that I've added. I don't even remember what they are. But anyways, there's that whole board. But then there's also the other projects. The one is, um, which I still haven't done. Maybe this is what I need to do um, to finish today so that I can talk about it tomorrow. But breaking down the defensive starters as compared to the rest of the NFL, 
I actually really loved that exercise, and I really need to get defense going because it's a really good resource. I'm going to get that on Patreon. And then there is the uh, the question I received about the draft over the last 10 years. And as I said, it was a very specific question about it was more of a where are they now and then also kind of, you know, what happened when they left. Were they better? Were they worse? But my mind went all different kinds of places. And the first thing I'm going to do, so in other words, there's probably going to be multiple tabs, is looking at them over the years and then also comparing, um, well, first of all, comparing Ted Thompson to last year's draft just to kind of see because it's easy to say I don't know if that was that good of a draft but then you kind of look at it specifically and it's like it wasn't that bad and then you compare it to Ted Thompson's drafts but also just looking at and I'm only about three years in but you look at what happens from year one to year two and the the hit rate as far as growth is almost a hundred percent with the exception of the Ty Montgomery year where a bunch of people regressed and it was just a really horrible draft class overall almost everybody got better on their second year so it gave me a lot of hope and then you can kind of look at okay look at positions and this is also going to be broke down on the sheet it's going to be you know wide receivers uh you could look at first round guys you know what is what is the first round guys usual leap as a percentage from year one to year two what about positions what about position what about uh setting a precedent for first round cornerbacks or i want to know about oren burks what about third round linebackers what is their precedent for for growth and what about guys that are as bad as Oren Burks because I've gone back three years I think he is the worst rookie that has been drafted over three years him and uh him and Hunter Bradley overall I think it was a decent draft class just the fact that everybody was somewhat mediocre across the board even though nobody was elite there weren't a lot of misses but Oren work Oren Burks and Hunter Bradley were just horrific but anyways, lots of cool things that you can do and ways that you can break it down and it's Excel, so you can pretty much do whatever you want. I want to know, again, first-round wide receivers, how much do they grow in their second year? Analyzing second to third, analyzing first to third, that's what the first sheet is about. And then also, you know, kind of tracking when a person leaves and then what their what the change was in their grade. That'll be kind of a secondary thing that I'm working on. I don't have an official, you know, list of I don't know I'm not there yet but again I'm only three years through so most of these people are still either on the team or just gone 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 but it's been a fun exercise but anyways that's also going to be going up on Patreon so uh, I know I did start doing the ads but as far as Patreon at least is concerned I want to try to keep feeding it with extra kind of uh, premium content type stuff because as I said, I do a lot of this stuff anyways because I want to be able to have behind-the-scenes looks at stuff and uh, really analyze these things, and I figure why not supply it to you. So if you're interested, a lot of those kinds of things are already on Patreon. I should probably stop posting the podcast on there because then everything just gets buried and you can't find it anymore, so I'll just try to keep it at premium content. But anyways, there's that. Be sure to get in the Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Packernet Pod or Packernet Podcast. Type it in, find it. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Packernet is the Facebook page of the group or of the uh, the website. NFLBigBoard.com. If you are at home, you're probably not. But if you're at home or maybe you're at work on your break or whatever, pull up NFLBigBoard.com and follow along. Because as I'm talking about people, you can just click on boom highlights and get to see the guy play as I talk. I always tell people to do that in the... Uh, 
when I'm doing the mock draft or whatever because I just feel like that would be kind of a cool way to do it. I don't do that in the YouTube channel because as soon as YouTube sees that I'm playing somebody else's video, I get demonetized because YouTube is crazy like that, which I think is hilarious because they're like, hey, you're stealing that guy's work. And it's like, really? Because I'm pretty sure that guy didn't record the game for Alabama and Clemson. Pretty sure he just ripped that off. But okay, yeah, I stole his work. Otherwise, call or text with questions. Call or text if you want to get something off your mind for the What Grinds My Gears segment. 608 508-501-0718. I did get a text message from Mike, and it was perfectly timed. He asked me about Mr. Calvin Harmon, and we will get there because he is one of the guys valued um, between 12 and 30. So we will be talking about that. And because I got the question specifically, I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time talking about him as far as my particular opinion, which, again, I don't claim to be a a scout. I kind of I like doing a lot of the grunt work, kind of aggregating stats and all these other things to give insights to be, you know, correct about specific things. But um, I feel like I got a relatively good hit rate as far as, you know, picking out good and bad. I mean, we've all been watching football for a long time. It's not like it's that hard to figure out. Like, do you need to be a scout to know that Julio Jones is a pretty good football player? Probably not so much, right? Anyways, let's get it rocking. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I would like to start with the most obvious position, which is edge rusher. Take a look at some of the guys that are listed between picks, uh, we'll say 13 and 30. Oh, no. <laughs> Roto World officially switched over. They've been teasing this for a while, and they switched it over, so all of my links are broken. i got to go back and change all of them. That's horrible. I mean, it's cool because this is a better format, and it's going to be easier going forward because what they used to have to do is type in their last name, comma, space, first name. It's like, come on, man. Can I just type the guy's name in or copy and paste? Because copy and paste is easy. No, that doesn't work because that's first name, last name. And we're too brain dead to figure that one out. Our computer doesn't know how to read that. So, anyways, it looks prettier. I'll get it fixed. Fine. Dumb roto world. 
Anyways, Zach Allen is the first guy up. I actually like Zach Allen. Uh, his draft stock seems to be falling a little bit. I mean, technically it's going up on my board, but he's not where he was. He's sitting at 43. He used to be a late first guy. I don't mind him. I, I've said before, to me, he's the opposite of Harold Landry. Harold Landry, in my mind, was too small, couldn't really you know, handle an edge, and then I watched him play, and it's like, oh, I guess he kind of can. He's pretty strong for a smaller guy. Zach Allen is just a meatball. He's just a gigantic, large human being. And I'm thinking, well, the guy could probably set an edge, but I don't know how good of a pass rusher he's going to be. And I thought he was decent. He's big, he's strong, he's violent, but he can pass rush. Well, I think the consensus now is he's got this kind of tweener uh, label. And, and there's a difference in my mind between being a tweener and being versatile. And I guess if, if you kind of look at like a, a Venn diagram... Well, I guess what I'm picturing isn't really a Venn diagram, but let's just call it a Venn diagram. And then picture like a circle, and a player is a circle that goes over a Venn diagram. Just do it, all right? Just picture it. I'm telling you what to do. A tweener, and let's just say if, if, if you want a guy to cover one of those circles, right? On one hand, you've got, let's just say, run defense. On the other side, you have pass rush. Well, you could have a guy that's got a circle just big enough to, to cover up run defense, but he doesn't really cover at all the uh, the pass rush. He's more of a run defender than a pass rusher. You can swing the little ball over here. He's a pass rusher. He's not very good at run defense. A tweener, in my mind, is a guy whose circle is, is about the size of one of the other circles, but it's just sitting in the middle. And the problem is he's he, he does both, but he doesn't do either very well, right? I think Josh Jones maybe is one of those guys where he's, he's kind of like a safety, kind of like a linebacker. The problem is he's not really good enough to be a safety, and he hasn't really proven to be good enough as a linebacker either. He's too much of a safety to be a linebacker. He's too much of a linebacker to be a safety. Versatile, which is maybe not exactly the right word, but it's the best I can come up with, would be you make that circle bigger, and it covers both of those areas. And, of course, you could come up with other areas. You could make a three-way Venn diagram, and you, at the bottom you got coverage, right? And then you got guys like Josh Allen who just have a massive circle that covers all three. So I think the biggest concern with uh, Mr. Zach Allen here is that he's a tweener, meaning, you know, he's not really either. And I think, if anything, he's maybe leaning much more toward the the run defense kind of a guy. And maybe almost like a defensive tackle slash defensive end tweener. But, you know, again, the, the tweener label would mean he's not really built to be a defensive tackle, but he's kind of too much of a defensive tackle to be a defensive end. It's kind of the, the, the issue with Rashawn Gary that a lot of people have, except Rashawn Gary is an athletic freak. Zach Allen is not. So I, I personally like him, but I also personally like Zach Al or um, Harold Landry, and he's, you know, kind of just mediocre, I guess. I think the bigger issue, though, is I, I like him as a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. I, th I think he's underrated as a pass rusher. I think he can get off blocks really, really well. At least he seems to. I don't know if you want to stand him up and, and put him off the line and, and try to use just that speed and agility to try to, like, you know, dance around people like outside linebackers have to do. And then also, you know, can he drop into coverage? I don't think he's that way. I think you put him in a 4-3 defensive end, put his hand in the dirt, and let him go. So he's there, he's available, he's a maybe, but he's a probably not in my mind. Um, another guy that you don't hear a ton about, maybe a little bit, but not not crazy amounts like Brian Burns or whatever, but Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech. 
Um, interestingly enough, uh, Jim Nagy, the guy who runs the, um, what is it, the Senior Bowl, I think, uh, former NFL scout, he actually compared Jalen Ferguson to Marcus Davenport. Now, as you might remember, Marcus Davenport was the guy that we got our extra first-round draft pick for because the Saints traded up to get him. I don't know that he was an elite guy, but the fact of the matter is, being compared to Marcus Davenport is pretty incredible because Marcus Davenport was seen as kind of a freak. He's a small school guy, some question about his ability and can he start right out of the gate and be an incredible football player, whatever, but physically, pretty scary. And then, yeah, if you look at his size, six foot five, 269 pounds. He ended, the, he ended up getting 17 and a half sacks. Now, it's Louisiana Tech, so it's not exactly, you know, but still, 17 and a half sacks is incredible. 2017, he had seven sacks in 11 games, but the year before that, 14 and a half sacks in 14 games. He's obviously a gifted pass rusher. There's just no question about that. There are some questions about his bend, which for me is a deal breaker. I mean, that's that's one of the things that for me I picked up right away. You just have to have that, right? It, it's, it's, it's a sharp corner around the edge. That's just all there is to it. When you come out and you try to get around a tackle, it's it's unless you've got defensive tackles that are just pushing the quarterback straight back and he can't move up in the pocket, if you can't round that corner, you're not going to do anything. Tackles in the NFL are too athletic. You're not just going to you know, speed rush like at an angle and then angle yourself back toward the quarterback and get to him. That's just, you've got to bend around the corner. You just have to. So I, I definitely understand the Marcus Davenport comparison watching him. I mean, it's just, I have a weird thing with like really tall guys. They just kind of freak me out. First of all, I agree with the bend thing. I think it's just hard for tall guys to bend, but it looks so weird when you see like a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy that's so long. I understand the long arms are awesome and people get excited about that. He's definitely got power, and he's, well, I don't even know if he has power. I haven't really seen that. But a good ability to separate and get off people, because, you know, if you got longer arms, you got a good chance of doing that. But watching them run is just so weird to me. They look like Frankenstein. But it is kind of funny watching how that speed can pick up. It usually takes a little while for them to get going. But uh, they take, you know, these short galloping strides, and man, do they just fly. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it, it's a traits thing. You know, super big, super presumably pretty strong seems to have some decent speed he found ways to get sacks so it's hard to say that well he can't bend he can't do it I don't know that I haven't really watched a ton of of him and that's the biggest thing I really need to start doing um and that's my commitment for next year by the way is I will have my own list this year I've just had so much other stuff going on trying to get everything coordinated with NFL big board kind of building that from the ground up I haven't been doing that but just just a cursory look you know maybe at 30 okay Definitely a better fit at outside linebacker than a Zach Allen. If I had to pick between the two, I suppose I would take Jalen Ferguson. I think I'm I'm kind of scared about his traits, but I think the combine would be kind of important too to kind of see what kind of speed he has. But another option at 30 for the Packers, Jalen Ferguson. And believe it or not, that's about it. All the other guys that are options are already talked about, Burns and Polite and all that stuff. Um, after that, just not very much. Uh, looking at offensive line, you know, I, I know offensive guard is one of the big ones. Mr. Chris Lindstrom is another one that Mark Jarvis talked about kind of a lot. Uh, you could tell he definitely liked him. Feels like he's a first-round prospect, no question. Also out of Boston College, similar to Zach Allen. I think he really stood out uh, at the Senior Bowl, so we're starting to see his draft stock rise quite a bit. Six foot four, three 310 pounds. Boston College does run the ball a lot, so if you're looking for a right guard 
And I know pass protection is always kind of the most important thing, um, and there's no indication that he's necessarily a bad pass blocker. But, uh, you know, if we're looking for a f well, an, an upgraded pass blocker over what we have, you know, McCray and, and Bell and all that, but then somebody that, you know, again, right guard, you're kind of looking at the strong side of things and you want to get that ball rolling a little bit, help block in the run game. I think Lindstrom is a, a good option. And to the extent that I feel like Ted Thompson maybe wouldn't do that because it wasn't really the identity of the team, you know, they're looking for, even at right guard, we want athletic tackles to play there. I wouldn't be overly surprised if we get a little bit more of a, a road grader type. Not, you know, maybe I'm mischaracterizing him. But again, that was the identity of this team is, is run blocking. As far as pass blocking, it was a little bit more of, you know, get the ball out quickly, play action, things of that nature, which the Packers also could be doing a little bit, a little bit more of. So I do think Chris Lindstrom is an option at 30. Um, and it, it's a big need. As much as people don't really like offensive line, um, and even offensive tackle is more important than offensive guard. Offensive guard is more of an immediate need than tackle if we keep Brian Balaga, which obviously that's not the case if Balaga is either gone or injured. Immediately right tackle becomes a bigger need. And again, with the amount of tackles, I wouldn't be surprised if a tackle goes at either 12 or 30. But I do think Lindstrom is, is that kind of a guy. And again, that's sort of what you're getting. I think it's an immediate upgrade. I think he ends up coming in and is a talented um a talented pass blocker and somebody that we can rely on as probably standing out as one of the better run blockers on the team, which is easy to say because we don't have very many talented run blockers. Because again, Ted Thompson, like almost every GM, is focusing primarily on protecting the quarterback, even at guard and center. Another guy that <clears throat> is Pardon. Oh, I'm so sick, can't go to work, I'm dying. Another guy that was talked about quite a bit, but seems to be falling and is, is flat out getting disrespected by some people. 126 is the lowest grade that he has. But David Edwards, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin, obviously there's no question as to what it is that Wisconsin does very well. I think that ends up being problematic. As much as I wouldn't mind a a little bit more of a run-blocking guard, we I, I think we need somebody that is a a you know borderline elite pass blocker. Because, again, I'm just haunted by the image of Khalil Mack coming off that right side. And he'll play both sides, but I don't care. He can go live over with David Bakhtiari all he wants. I'm fine with it. But I just get a little bit hesitant about investing in a long-term solution at right tackle at a guy that isn't really even potentially a very good pass blocker. But six foot seven, 319 pounds. You know, the one thing you think about with Khalil Mack is power. It's possible that, that David Edwards could maybe match the bull rush a little bit more effectively than some people, but I just worry about, you know, the big, long, awkward motion type of guys like this. You know, as much as it's true for outside linebackers, it's true for offensive tackles. Yeah, it's cool that you're six foot seven and have long arms, but how awkward are you athletically when somebody tries to, you know, bend around the corner? You able to jump back there and get them? Can you change direction really quickly? So it's an option. I wouldn't super hate it, but that would be my immediate concern because obviously we're looking at, um, if we were to draft him at 30, we're looking at David Edwards being the long-term solution for five, six, seven years, whatever it's going to be, at right tackle. So it would be cool to get a Wisconsin guy. Um, I would just hope that the development as a pass rusher isn't as much of a hindrance. Obviously, the guy's an incredible you know, football player. And, you know, again, 6'7", 319, super long arm. So really high upside. That would just be my one concern. But it's also kind of nice to be able to maybe, 
quote-unquote redshirt him a year. He can be depth. He can learn and develop. Come in if somebody's injured. Otherwise, next year he starts as our official right tackle, and uh, that's the end of that. And I actually almost think that getting a tackle at some point is is actually not even a question because even though if you look at next year and, and as it stands now, lots of talented offensive tackles, but we'll see how that ends up. But even so, if you think about it, what happens next year when Belag is gone and let's say it is David Edwards or whoever is our right tackle? Guess what? We're back to having a right tackle that's maybe good, maybe terrible with no depth behind him. So it's almost as if we need a couple tackles here. We need several offensive linemen. Because next year, if we just get one guy, we just have one guy and no depth whatsoever. Now, Spriggs is an option. I've been trying to continually remind everybody he is getting better. He's not good, but he's not the guy he was his rookie year. He's not just this abysmal, can't-do-anything like Jake Ryan in coverage in his first year. You know it's a guaranteed sack every time he's on the field, but it's not a great situation. Uh, another offensive lineman, Eric McCoy, is listed as a center. I wouldn't imagine that's an option, but if he can play guard, there's a name that nobody's heard of, nobody's talking about. Um, he's listed at 81 overall, so probably why he's typically a little further back, but obviously he must have some high upside uh, to have some people who do believe that he is a, a higher-up prospect. Um, on the low end, though, we're talking 224, so we're talking about uh, Mr. Irrelevant territory here. So... Long shot, but an option to possibly come in and play at guard, depending on what the the Packers see in him, like in him, et cetera, et cetera. A similar situation with uh, Elgton Jenkins. The highest he is is 22, but his lowest grade is 114. He's actually 62 overall. So currently sitting at back of the second, but moving from the back of the second to possibly 30 is not that big of a reach. Again, the biggest question is going to be, can he slide out to guard? Another guy, if you're looking at offensive linemen you want to check out, be sure to check him out. Um, Apparently, he has played pretty much every position across the board. He's played tackle, he's played guard, he's played center. So he has to have some athleticism if he played left and right tackle. Apparently, he did also play left guard. He didn't play right guard, but whatever. So the assumption here would be he's an interior guy in the NFL, but some athleticism there, 6'4", 313 pounds. Garrett Bradbury, exact same situation. He's a center out of NC State. So I would assume this is probably going to be a no. Um, maybe, like I said, a guy like um, a guy like Jenkins because he has played across the offensive line. But in general, you're looking at tackles to play guard. You're not looking at centers to play tackle. You're kind of going the opposite direction there. But again, not a huge amount of options. Uh, mostly a lot of centers, but a couple tackles, a uh, guard or two. A lot of these prospects are kind of looking in that 12 territory. And a lot of the guys at 12 could be options at 30. But as far as new prospects to talk about today, that's all we got. Uh, Safety, I think, is another option that we should be looking at. It's not talked about as much. I know everybody's talking about Nasir Adderley because they like Nasir Adderley. But I'm more concerned about the position overall as a whole because, again, we just don't have anybody. I mean, there's literally not one name at safety on the Packers roster that I like playing safety. All due respect to Tremont, I don't like it. I mean, Kentrell Bryce is not a starting safety. Josh Jones is a terrible safety. Eddie Pleasant, Raven Green, Ibrahim Campbell, as best as I can tell, and again, Ibrahim and his small sample size kind of seem to show off and flash, but more than likely, we don't have a quality starting safety at safety, not one including Tremont. And there's no guarantee Tremont's even playing this year. 
I'm guessing he is, just because, again, we don't have anybody at safety. But I don't think the Packers want to put him at safety. They had to put him at safety because we got a million cornerbacks and we have no starting safeties. Not one. Literally zero. So anyways, a couple of different names here. Jonathan Abram, strong safety out of Mississippi State. He did end up going in the first round of our latest mock draft. He's graded as high as 19th, as low as 119, sitting at 63 overall. So again, currently late second-ish territory, but this early on in the prospect, no reason he couldn't end up slipping into pick 30. His last year of college at Mississippi State, he had uh, 99 tackles, nine tackles for a loss, three sacks, two interceptions. Um, I, I, I think with him, you're getting essentially a Josh Jones player. The, the question is, is he an upgraded Josh Jones or is he Josh Jones? There's some questions about his ability to play deep safety, so we're looking at a guy that's probably wanting to play close to the line of scrimmage. So in that scenario, the problem that I have in my mind is, similar to Josh Jones, I still want two free safeties over his head, and, and this is the kind of guy you want playing linebacker. You know, He can play strong safety in certain situations, but you, you want him close to the line of scrimmage, and if you're playing too safe, too deep, you know, cover two, which the Packers are going to because they don't have an athletic enough safety to play you know cover one so it's it's going to be at least cover two you got to have a safety that can play deep zone unless you want to play cover three and just give him you know a third of the the deep section but regardless of that you watch the guy play and he's just absolutely violent however you look at what uh, joe marino of the draft network had to say as far as his tackling he says highly aggressive to a fault comes in hot and out of control with inconsistent angles that makes it difficult for him to consistently square up on the ball carry i just i feel like i'm reading a report of josh jones for the packer right not great playing deep super aggressive but that's basically his only attribute and it's only cool when he makes contact because then it's like a violent hit but he doesn't always make the tackle so it depends i for some reason these are the most coveted safeties this is what everybody wants they want that that versatile guy you know you can call them tweeners if you want because that's what most of them end up being not good enough to be either but they want that versatile guy that can that can play both safety but also kind of drifts toward the line of scrimmage you want that linebacker guy i just i just want the packers to get a safety i want a free safety a guy that's going to play deep so is he an option sure he's an option but i'm just going to roll my eyes if we get this guy because it's like can we please just get someone to cover the back half of the field please for once ever please 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 and free agency is an option if we do end up getting an earl thomas and i understand that there's injury concerns but there's no question suddenly this is a team that can switch over to a uh you know single high safety which opens things up and then suddenly yeah your linebackers are up close your corners are playing up up close and every everything just kind of feeds off of that but that's that's uh that's jonathan abram another option mr taylor rapp this is the guy that was considered maybe the number two uh, beyond, behind Deontay Thompson for a very long time. He's kind of sliding. He's at 48, as high as 22, however. When I did my mock draft with uh, Mark uh, Jarvis, I asked him for the Seattle Seahawks to just give me a safe prospect because they've been drafting terribly. And if I'm the GM, I just want to talk to my guys and I say, listen, I'm tired of just looking like a a dumb-dumb, right, because I'm I'm drafting all these guys and nobody pans out. I just want somebody that's not going to come in and be terrible. Give me your safest prospect. And it was based on who was left on the board, but his, uh, his, I believe, what he said was Taylor Rapp out of Washington. But uh, he he is going to, well, I, I shouldn't say that. He did play free safety. I do tend to think he's going to play free safety. 
I don't think he's a sideline to sideline guy, but I think you just get that safe prospect. In other words, if you're playing, if you're giving him the responsibility of half the deep field, he can handle it. If you're asking him to tackle, he can tackle. So he's just a guy that you're you're expecting to not make a lot of mistakes, and I like that. Just a safe safety prospect that's going to come in and, and be good. So I wouldn't mind Taylor Rapp at all at 30. Uh, I think I think again limited upside. You're not going to get an Earl Thomas, even though you know you listen to these guys do interviews. Every single one of them says, "Give me a comp for yourself." Well, you know, I model my game after Earl Thomas. That's kind of what I shoot for. I don't think any of them actually say I am Earl Thomas, but that's what they always say. It's very boring. Um, and, you know, because he's a better tackler than a safety, some people are going to say he's a, a strong safety, which I'm fine with, because these are all kind of loose terms, anyways. Right, if if you're playing with two safeties, you got a free safety and a strong safety. I don't mind to have Taylor Rapp as the guy. You know, if it, let's just say for example, you got Tremont as your free safety, you've got Taylor Rapp as your quote unquote strong safety, and then you've got Josh Jones playing close to the line of scrimmage. Right? So in other words, basically Taylor Rapp is a free safety in that situation. But if you're in your base, they're both out there, but Rap is playing closer to the line of scrimmage because he's very quick to diagnose run plays. He's a very good tackler. He's the guy you'd rather have up there diagnosing it. But if it's a pass, he can kind of drop back and play cover. I mean, he needs to be able to do both, and I think he does both. So I, I like Taylor Rapp. i got to watch him a little bit more. But if, if, if what everyone's telling me is true, that he's safe and he should come in and just start, and he's not going to be elite, but he's going to be good, that means he's going to be, day one, our best safety, and that's all I care about. And he's not going to make goofy mistakes, at least not very often. I like it. Another strong safety in the group, Juwan Thornhill, strong safety out of Virginia. So, you know, again, he's... he's it all kind of depends on what people think of Josh Jones. He is coming into his third year, took a very modest step. But the fact that he couldn't even get on the field and didn't get on the field until... Basically, everybody was either off the team or injured. Tells me that, and and this all took place when we got our new defensive coordinator. So when we had Dom Capers, this was our guy. And then um, we get Mike Pettin, and suddenly Josh Jones can't even get on the field. He just can't. I just think Mike Pettin kind of evaluated the situation and said he's not very good. And I just, you know, maybe it's a change in scheme that relegated him to not being as useful, but I doubt it. Considering the lack of talent, if he really was a second-round talent, he'd have been on the field. It doesn't really matter based on scheme fit. You should be a better safety than these safeties. You should be a better linebacker than um, than the linebackers we had. I mean, you should be better than Oren Burks. If you're a second-round guy and you're good at what you do, you should have been on the field. And, and Mike Pettin did not want to put him on the field. He didn't get on the field until everybody was gone and there was no other options. So is it possible that they're saying we need to replace him? Yeah, it's definitely possible. It's absolutely possible. It's, it's possible that J- Josh Jones isn't even on the team. We'll see what happens. But anyways, if that's the case, we're looking at a guy like Juwan Thornhill, 6'1", 195. Uh, last year, 98 tackles, 4.5 for a loss, no sacks, 6 interceptions. Um, seen as a pretty athletic guy. We'll, we'll see. He could actually blow people away at the combine. There's some you know, reports of things that he can do. We'll see. Uh, specifically his vert and uh, his three-cone time of 6.59. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he was actually a recent convert to safety, so he could be drafted as a guy that maybe people think he just hasn't quite figured it out yet, and we can develop him. Could also just take him completely out of that role, put him at linebacker. I don't know. 
And then you've got uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, strong safety out of Florida. Again, we're looking at very similar situation. He's a smaller guy, 5'11", 207. He does seem to have a lot of range. Um, he's, he's, he's a fast guy. Again, I've already mentioned speed doesn't necessarily translate to range. But supposedly this is a very rangy guy. I know he's listed as a strong safety, but we'll see. Supposedly he could maybe run in the 4-4s. He's seen as a modern-day safety. By that, I think it just means he's he's versatile. He can play back. He can play up. There you go. And, it, you know, can also play nickel corner, right? But but again, the, the question then becomes, are we looking at a tweener that's kind of a, a, a slot corner, kind of a safety, kind of a linebacker? Or is this a guy that's actually talented enough that we can put him in multiple positions and he can handle it? That's that's really the biggest question. And if if, if anyone believes that he can handle, in other words, we can put him in the slot. We can, and that that's that's awesome too. If you have a, a a safety that can play back, and then in certain situations and against certain opponents, you put him up and play him at slot corner. Incredibly valuable. And just a piece that you can move around even in the game, right? One minute he's in the slot, next minute he's a linebacker, then they got him back at safety. But again, if he's not good at these positions, you're not going to put him at slot because he's terrible at it. You don't want to put him at linebacker because he's too small and get washed, gets washed away. And then you put him at safety and he just he can't diagnose plays and he doesn't quite have the range you want. Even though he has good speed, it takes him too long to figure out what's going on and his speed doesn't get him there in time. So check him out, see what you think, because again, he's the kind of guy that could absolutely go at 30 or he's the kind of guy that's going to fall. It just depends on the teams and what they particularly think about him. Um, I think I'm just going to do one more position because I don't want to look at things like defensive tackle. Um, actually, I'm going, to, I'm going to do like a hybrid, wide receiver slash tight end, basically uh, receivers. And there are quite a few of them. And uh, right out of the gate, A.J. Brown, he's, he's seen as high as 14th, as low as 72. He has been sliding a little bit. Again, according to my last board, he's actually moved up two spots, but the fact that he's at 35 and at one point was a mid-first-round guy means he's sliding. Um, he's largely seen as a slot receiver, but he's 6'1", 225 pounds. He's a big dude. 2018, uh, 85 receptions, 1,320 yards, 15.5-yard average, six touchdowns. And, uh, you know... I think part of the question is why is a guy that's 6'1", 225, a slot receiver, not on the outside? And it really just has to do with his attributes. He doesn't really have great speed, but he is a, a, a really good route runner. In other words, he's, he's quick, and he can you know kind of run those quick slant routes to the inside, and that's kind of what you want to use him for. If you put him on the outside, try to get him to run these kind of, you know, the deep post or whatever, he's just, the, the guy's just going to run with him the whole way. So I think relatively limited, but you've, you've got to like the skill set, especially in the slot, because a lot of slot corners are smaller guys. So he, he could end up being kind of a bully to where he's bigger and stronger. He can get off whoever's there. And usually the slot guy's off the line of scrimmage too. So he could, if he has any ability whatsoever, be able to get around him without a problem. And then just use his quickness to run quicker, you know, more use that agility to, to kind of just get open. And I think the Packers could utilize somebody like that as a slot guy to just kind of, again, if the Packers want to just get the ball out quicker, this could be a, a, a good option. He's got longer arms, bigger, stronger guy, can bully around slot corners. Just do like what Randall Cobb used to do. And, you know, he doesn't have the speed of Randall Cobb. I'm assuming he's not going to be anywhere near that. But if you can just stick your foot in the ground and get running laterally or angularly, and I can throw it to you and it's eight yards, I don't care if you can run 
you know, a 4-3-2. I don't need that. I need you to be open. When I get to the back of, of my drop, you're just there in the middle of the field wide open, and I can just dump it to you, boom. And it's an automatic 7-8 yards. And if you can get any yards after the catch before getting hit by the linebacker, you know, it could be a 5-yard pass turns into a, what, 15 yards? And that's just one added element. And again, if we don't have Cobb, we just don't really have that. Maybe EQ can do it, whatever, but that would be an option. Not the biggest A.J. Brown fan. And again, Ole Miss is hard because there's three pretty talented wide receivers over there and uh, not a super talented quarterback. So the ball gets distributed all over, and it's hard to evaluate wide receivers when you don't have a very good quarterback. The next guy is Mr. Kelvin Harmon, and this is what the question was about. I think for him, I feel very similarly to a lot of these guys coming out. A lot of them are very, very big. He's six foot three, two hundred and thirteen pounds. Uh, he put up back-to-back thousand-yard uh, receiving years, twenty seventeen, sixty-nine receptions, one thousand seventeen, fourteen point seven average, four touchdowns, twenty eighteen, eighty-one receptions, one thousand one hundred eighty-six yards, fourteen point six average, seven touchdowns. The biggest problem I have with a lot of these guys is big physical go up and get it guys but not a lot of separation i haven't watched a ton of his film maybe that's not true all the time but even if you go quickly look at his highlights most of uh, I, I i watched half of one of his highlight reels just before i started talking about this just to see if like maybe at his best is he getting wide open no it's they're all contested catches they're catches with a corner in his lap so i mean some ability if it's kind of a shorter route to get a little bit of separation there but if, if you're asking him to run straight down the field and get some separation, it's just not going to happen. However, 50-50 balls, the guy's just undefeated. And it's not just strength. I mean, there's, there's some really solid athleticism. One-handed catches, you know, toe tapping. Um, there, there was a catch against Jair Alexander where he, he kind of like fell backwards and caught it, kind of hooked his arm underneath him. It was just, it was a crazy catch. So he seems to be somewhat of a, a, a natural catcher good body control to be able to do that kind of stuff but as far as his ability to separate I, I don't really love it so it's kind of a boomer bust thing for me he probably wouldn't be my favorite at 30 although again my general principle is if the Packers took him at 30 they obviously believe that he can kind of do that next level stuff but my, my biggest concern is going to be his ability to separate and if he can't is Aaron Rodgers going to trust him which is something that we need to consider as well because he doesn't like throwing the ball he doesn't like throwing 50 50 balls so if you go tell him, oh, no, trust me, throw it up to him, he'll get it, Aaron Rodgers is just going to say, uh, no. He, if he wants the ball, he can go ahead and get open. So that's my general thought on Calvin Harmon. It's my thought on Nikhil Harry. It's my thought on a lot of these guys. Another really big guy who's next on the list, Mr. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Six foot three, 225 pounds, so just an absolutely massive human being in 2018. Uh, 63 receptions, 1,059 yards, 16.8 yard average, 14 touchdowns. So really big average receptions. So uh, 16.8 is really high. And then double digit touchdowns is also pretty awesome at Stanford. I actually think I, I tend to prefer, not even so much prefer Whiteside to Harmon, but when you look at the skill set, a little bit better of a route runner, Limited athlete, but I mean, that's kind of what Devontae was, right? Devontae isn't a 4-4 guy. I mean, Devontae also isn't six foot three, 225 pounds either, and J.J. is. So I know J.J. was kind of somewhat compared to uh, Jordy Nelson because he's got that deep speed, but he does seem to have some short area quickness, some really good release off the ball. 
Very, very good hands. Great body control, which is another reason you would compare him to a Jordy Nelson. You look at what Jordy's done around the sideline and his ability to manipulate his body in that kind of a way. So good route runner. So he should be able to get some separation again in, in short areas. Um, he's got some deep speed, so maybe he can be like that deep post guy. Great body control, so he gives you kind of what uh, Kelvin Harmon is going to give you with ability to contort his body and make those kinds of catches. If you're looking for a guy that can kind of get in sync with Aaron Rodgers, maybe both of them can with those back shoulder fade type throws. And then just great hands and an ability to win the 50-50 balls. If you can get that kind of trust, and, and he will throw a 50-50 ball to Devontae, Aaron Rodgers will because he trusts him, right? It can be relatively tight coverage if he trusts his ability to get the ball where it needs to be and Devontae's ability to make the catch. Um, I like that, but also I think with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you're also getting a red zone threat, and that was an area where the Packers kind of struggled. So I, I tend to prefer J.J. to Kelvin Harmon at this particular point in time. I wouldn't mind him at 30. Again, like everybody else, I have to watch a lot more before I give an official opinion, but that's just kind of Looking at the skill set, that's my preference. Um, another tight end in this class, somewhat lesser known, but uh, Irv Smith, 6'3", 243 pounds, that is. 710 yards, 7 touchdowns, 16.3 yard per catch average. And that's playing in Alabama, so you're going up against some pretty tough competition. Um, and I, I think one of the good things about him is that he is kind of versatile, similar to what you get in a um, uh, TJ Hawkinson, maybe not to that level of elite ability. But you're getting a good receiver. You're getting a good blocker. If the Packers don't pull the trigger um, in the first round on a tight end, I think a lot of people are thinking Irv Smith possibly in the second is a, is a decent option. Uh, Debo Samuel at wide receiver, he's he's really moving up the board quite a bit. He's actually at 39 overall. His highest grade is 18th. His lowest is only 78. He's pushing his way into that first round conversation. Had a really good, I think it was senior bowl. Um, he, he's, in my mind just sort of the well-rounded wide receiver type. I think he can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. I was actually shocked to hear Mark Jarvis say that he believes he's going to be extremely fast at the, the combine. I didn't see that. I didn't recognize that. But if you've got a guy that is just sort of a, you know, not super tall, not super big, just a good route runner, a good wide receiver, an intelligent wide receiver, and then you tell me he runs like a 4-4-2 or whatever he's going to end up running, that's really impressive. In other words, take Devonte but add some speed. I think Debo ends up being sort of a safe pick. I think he comes in. Um, you don't have that low of a floor, so it, it's if, if if he were to get picked at 30, you know maybe he doesn't quite have the upside. Although I, I think he has all the upside in the world, but um, I, I think it's one of the safer picks outside of like a DK Metcalf or whatever. But at 30, one of the safer picks of just coming in and starting and being a quality number two, not necessarily elite. We're not looking, you know, Kelvin Harmon and all these guys. These are guys that have that super high upside. They could be very, very good. Debo, I'm not really sure, but I, I think his floor is very low is kind of how I view him. Hakeem Butler, <laughs> you want to talk about a big dude, six foot six, 225 pounds. So a, a number of 220 to 225 pound guys, but this man is six foot six in his 2018 campaign with Iowa State. Um, he had 60 receptions, 1,318 yards, 22-yard per reception average, and nine touchdowns. 22 yards is his average reception. That's insane. Um, as is the case with six-foot-six six guys, you're not getting as much agility. I think you're getting, you know, he's similar to a lot of these guys. I, I don't know that you're going to get a ton of, of separation, but you're getting, I mean, he's, he's more or less like a tight end, really. He's, he's going to be deadly in the red zone. 
uh, back shoulder guy, a fade guy. Um, you know, if you're looking for a run after the catch guy that you can dump it off to and he's just going to steamroll through some people Gronkowski style, this is one of those guys. Um, probably if he has any speed, it's going to be that deep speed, which is the case, as I said, with even outside linebackers. It takes him a while to get that locomotive rolling, but once she gets going, she gets going. So at six foot six, maybe takes a little bit of time, but you get those long legs striding, and I think you can get him deep, which is probably how he gets a 22-yard per reception average. But uh, I don't think he's really going to kill the three-cone drill or anything quite like that. Uh, seen as sort of like a Mike Williams type is, is his comp uh, that I'm looking at here. But uh, again, six foot six, 225 pounds. You, you want to talk about upside? It's hard to find better upside than than something like that, especially if he does have, you know, the agility and the um, the deep speed. You, you've, you're opening up quite a few other aspects of his game. The the bigger problem that I have with a lot of these guys and the whole deep speed thing is that I kind of want to get away from that a little bit. Granted, I, I we need the deep ball and that's important, and we need to find a way to get that more consistently. I don't want a guy that's not going to help me get the ball out quickly for Aaron Rodgers because I want to focus on that a little bit. The slot receiver position is going to be important. The tight end position is going to be important. I want some guys that are going to help to where Aaron Rodgers gets that ball out in two seconds. Just get the ball, boom, 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 there he is. If everybody we have, you know, and Devontae can help in that regard as well, but if, if our number two guy that's supposed to help it so it's not just Devontae is a, is a kind of guy that's like, just give me a minute, I'm, I'm getting up to speed like just give me one more second i'm gonna get there just just throw it up 50 man well we don't always have time for that you got to do something else but you know jordy made a career out of it getting creative you know well he was he was a better route runner than i think a lot of these guys probably are also incredibly fast uh paris campbell another guy that's uh, somewhat normally sized six foot 208 uh went for over a thousand yards this last year kind of a breakout campaign considering you only had 584 the year before and then the year before that 121 but um, this is a guy that's going to be a little bit less of what you're getting from some of those other guys and a little bit more of a, you know, really good off the line of scrimmage, you know, pretty, pretty good after the catch, lots of speed. So, you know, again, somewhat limited upside because he doesn't have all these attributes depending on his speed and how, how fast he really is, but another potentially good wide receiver and another option at 30. So there's quite a few um, options sitting here at 34 wide receiver tight end. Uh, a guy that isn't talked about very often as an option, and probably the reason is his floor is apparently through the roof. <laughs> his lowest grade is 373, but graded as high as 24th, Dawson Knox, tight end out of uh, Mississippi or Ole Miss. I think with Dawson Knox, you're, you're getting a limited athlete, but a very good blocker and a, a decent receiver in terms of his ability to just, just catch the football, um, You know the, the adjustment and all that kind of stuff. Could be a shocker as far as, you know, first, second round guy that a lot of people aren't talking about. So again, if you're looking for something to do, you're looking at some tight ends, take a look at Dawson Knox. Another guy, Caden Smith out of Stanford, six foot five, two 253 pounds. I think this guy's going to be a little bit kind of the opposite. He's, you know, maybe more of a receiver than anything else. Not a super powerful, strong guy. But, uh, you know, get him on a seam route, just bursting up the middle, he might be able to. And, you know, the, the cool thing about a seam route, especially if you get an athletic enough guy, is that it's a very quick route. There usually isn't somebody head up on him because you're tied into the, the line of scrimmage a lot of the time. So there's not somebody getting their hands on him. So you just blow past the linebackers really quick, sprint out of your stance, and it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers takes the ball and boom, you're right there. It's a very, very quick thing, and it's a, it's a really quick way to get 10 yards. So a, a long shot at 30, but an option to keep an eye on and somebody to watch the film for. 
Um, another name that is not very common, but uh, somebody, again, who's potential in 30 territory is Josh Oliver out of San Jose State. Six foot five, 253 pounds, 709 yards, 12.7 yards per reception average, four touchdowns in 2018. Uh, physical route runner, pretty good athlete all the way around. Maybe not quite as good as a blocker, but uh, you know, you, you look at his jump from two years ago to last year, and that's kind of encouraging, right? This is it's kind of what you want. You want that upward trajectory to see that this is somebody who's learning. And if you trust your coaching staff to continue to develop somebody who has the traits that you like, this is somebody who could surprise. So again, maybe take a look at this guy right quick. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to do running backs or cornerbacks or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, besides that, we're at 50 minutes and I need to go to work. But uh, anyways, I just wanted to kind of do something a little different and give some different names that maybe you're not hearing quite as much. Obviously, you've probably heard of Kelvin Harmon and, and Irv Smith, but how often do you hear the Packers actually taking these guys? Maybe Irv Smith in the second round, but could be an option at 30. I think we need to start considering wide receiver. I don't think we do that enough, at least in terms of mock drafts. You never see DK Metcalf at 12. You never see Kelvin Harmon at 30. I think we need to really consider that and, and also the possibility of, I mean, offense in general. When you look at the tackles and the wide receivers and the tight ends, it, it almost seems unlikely that we don't take an offensive player because there's a lot more prospects than we thought. And if you remove the defensive tackles from the list, not that the Packers are going to do that, but if you say that, you know, if we're looking at similarly talented players, the Packers are going to lean more toward wide receiver, more toward tackle, more toward tight end than they will defensive tackle... I would say it's a fairly good bet that at either 12 or 30, it's going to be an offensive player, especially when you consider offense as the Packers' identity. Offense is where we really struggled last year. We've invested a ton in defense. We need to start doing offense. Free agency is going to be important. You know, if we're if we go out and get a safety and you know maybe get a I don't know if we're going to get an edge rusher, but if we can satisfy a little bit of our defensive needs in free agency, it just more and more it's going to lean toward offense for me. But We'll see what happens. Free agency is going to answer a lot of questions for us. Hopefully, maybe. Maybe we're not going to do anything, and then it's like, well, that answered <laughs> that answered nothing. But anyways, you folks enjoy your Tuesday. It's the worst day of the week. Supposedly, when I go outside, there's going to be a lot of snow. I can literally hear the wind in my basement. So, oh, man, I'm feeling so sick. We'll see what happens. But you folks enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.